Hey, I'm Kate Otten, tight end at the University of Washington, and you're listening to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode... I looked at the camera. <laughs> we don't do a video aspect of this, not yet at least. Um, welcome to episode 63 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. It is Bennett and I today. Hello, Bennett. Hello. Um, we have another week of packed things to speak about. It is... I don't think that's going to end anytime soon, necessarily. The Seahawks will kind of go into their offseason after the draft, and then it might get a little quieter. But we've got Mariners going on. We've got Sounders going on. We've got Stormer in their training training camp right now. The Rain are still going to Challenge Cup. So things, are, things, things, uh, things aren't getting any quieter, which is a good thing. So let's get into it. Uh, we have our draft preview for you this week for the Seattle Seahawks. Nothing too big considering what we've got currently in the current three. slate of picks. We have three picks, which is like the lowest in the league. Woohoo! I highly doubt, though, that they end up picking it second round pick number 56. I highly doubt that we stay with that. I'm sure that'll change. But for the <laughs> sake of fun, we have a tiny draft preview for you. Um, with In the second round, with the 57, 56 overall pick, I'll be the Huh? That'd be the third round, I believe, isn't it? No, I think it's the second. I, what? I hope I hope these NFL sites don't lie to me. Uh-oh. Seattle. Does this gonna throw your thing off? No, I don't think so. I just wrote down the wrong pick for the first pick. Never mind, you're right. Bennett Buckles was just being an idiot. All right, Bennett, we're gonna kick you off the no. So are you gonna change your pick? No 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 no. I I, I still believe in my picks. I just okay. wrote the wrong number. Um, oh, okay. So you are first, uh, and I will let you uh, name your pick, obviously, and then go into your reasoning for it. All right. Uh, Imagine Roger Goodell going up to the stupid podium right now. And with the twentieth uh, pick, nope, twenty fourth pick, fifty six, in, in the Seattle draft, Seahawks. I haven't watched the draft for a while. <laughs> I went with Alex Leatherwood, offensive uh, offensive lineman from Alabama. He is a very solid offensive lineman. Um, had a, I mean, good years over there. And I think a lot of people have him going in the second to third round. And I think he's a very quality uh, run blocking and pass block. He's got some real explosiveness off the line. Um, and I just think he overall, I mean, it's something that the Seahawks again need to work on. It seems like we've been saying that for the longest time, but you get a guy like Leatherwood who can be, if, if you deal your cards, right, he can be a longstanding person on your team. Offensive linemen are pretty easy to keep happy. If you pay them the right way, they're not as I'd say they don't draw as much attention in big trade deals unless you're, uh, Who's who the hell's the guy we just got? Dwayne Jones, Dwayne Brown, Dwayne, Dwayne Brown, Dwayne Brown, and Brandon Shell. Uh, but like a lot of the times, if you, I mean, if you get drafted by a team, they work on you for a million years, and they turn you into a really great product, and they keep paying you the consistent times. Is that something we could do with any any prospect in the draft whose offensive line 
then I think we do it. I think Leatherwood, in my opinion, is a guy that stands out to me that we can ostensibly get in this round, in the second round. But there's a, there's a there is a slew of offensive linemen this year that we can choose from, and I don't think that's the only way to go. I don't think Leatherwood's the only way to go. There's a couple of centers on the board. Uh, what Leatherwood uh, has some... He can move. He can move around the line a little bit, which I think is really cool. But uh, I think they're saying he wants to... I think they're saying he wants to be guard. He wants to, like, go in as a guard in the NFL, which do we necessarily need right now? I think so. <laughs> but even if he does end up playing tackle, I mean, both of our tackles are only on one-year deals right now. So depending on how that turns out next year, we could really be needing a guy like this. Um, I don't think we should go after a center. I actually don't know what your pick is. I didn't look at the note for you. Uh, I want it to be a, a, a sneaky little surprise, but um, I just I don't think it's as big of a need as some of these other positions on the offensive line. I think this guy really fills a need we currently have um, because of his versatility, because of his explosiveness. That's who I'm going with. That's what I'm hoping for. Someone like him at least. Well, you know, this pick makes sense to me in the regards that Dwayne Brown is not getting younger. Obviously, getting younger is not something that a human body does. Um, so if we look at the line, we've got Dwayne Brown at left tackle for right now. Obviously, things change. Uh, Brandon Shell at right tackle. Gabe Jackson probably at left guard unless he decides he wants to play right guard. And Damian Lewis... Wait, Gabe Jackson left guard. Yeah, sorry, I confused myself. Damian Lewis at right guard, from what I understand. I know he played emergency center against the Cardinals. Um, but then there's our friend Ethan Pochich at center. Um, and it, at least after they signed him, they made it sound like they weren't done with that position. So with Leatherwood, um, obviously, you know, there are a lot of guys that come out of that Alabama school that are ready for the NFL. So, you know, it's an interesting pick to me, but I don't know if it's, 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 it's interesting uh, to me to think about the, the uh, interior line right now. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. Because I don't know if I'm not a draft guru by any means. So I don't know if there's like a clear cut center that you could go with. Um, but it's interesting to see the interior guard uh, situation play out. Cause obviously we did see Damian Lewis bump into center. So I mean, having a guy like Leatherwood, say we say we get Leatherwood, right, and having right. him bump in the guard, having a guy like Damian Lewis who is young and had some good, good, some he 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 had a good year uh, for a rookie, you know, having him bump in wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing and make it things interesting, but um, I think at some point too you do have to kind of address um, the future at left tackle with Rain Brown getting older, so it, it it's. I can see that. You know, it makes sense to me. Uh, for Omari's pick, Omari uh, just uh, told me he would go O-line. And, you know, that's something that does make sense. And especially, you know, with the things that have happened this offseason, you know, certain things said by a certain guy that wears number three. You know, the the team has done a better job of addressing the O-line, at least in the acquisition of Gabe Jackson. So it'll be interesting to see the draft approach this year. Uh, and like I said, I highly doubt they stay with the three picks. I went a different route. Um, see, my my offseason here, where we stand right now, okay. Uh, obviously, they signed P. Ooh, I can say it. I mean, we'll say it later in the episode. But they signed cornerback uh, Pierre Desir, who's 
not necessarily obviously a starting cornerback guy, uh, but he brings depth. Um, and so who you got? You've got you got Trey Flowers, Bennett's favorite cornerback. Trey Flowers, uh, Akello Witherspoon, um, DJ Reed, DJ Reed, thank you, thank you, uh, Pierre Desir. Um, I know there's some probably there might be a guy or two on futures contracts, but oh, uh, 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 Ugo Amadi, and he fills in. Uh, he played slot pretty well. So, you know, uh, nickel, nickel is the word I'm looking for. He didn't play slot. He's not a receiver. The opposite of slot. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I went, I went cornerback here. I went with Trill Williams. Yes. His first name is Trill. Uh, and he's interesting. He's from Syracuse. Um, what, what, and there's a, there's another guy that a lot of people like coming out of Syracuse at the cornerback position. Uh, I think he's related to Obi Malefinwu. No, I could be wrong. But Trill Williams, he's a, he's a six-two cornerback, and we know how uh, that Peter Carroll guy likes the tall, lanky cornerbacks. Um, but my thing with this with this position in this part of the draft is is that I was thinking, you know, my ideal look right now is getting a young guy in at corner, right, and then bringing in this Richard Sherman guy. I never heard of him before, and then having him sort of be a mentor to the rest of the locker room, and you know. I mean, he can still play. He's not going to, you know, cover certain guys uh, in man-to-man all the time, you know. He's never necessarily <laughs> that, been that guy. That was never his thing. Yeah. No, he's been a zone guy, you know. I mean, he can sit he's, – he's, but he, he brings things to the table. So that's what I would see is bringing in a young cornerback and sort of bringing him up to be the guy, you know, uh, of the future. So that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. But, again – I highly doubt that we still pick at pick 56 here with the current slate of picks. At least I don't think we stay at three. I don't think we stay locked in with these three picks that we've got. Um, And I mean, to that end, there's a couple of teams that are pick hunting too, but they're also player hunting. So you look at the chiefs who have been making moves with players and kind of giving away picks like candy because they don't really need a great draft. Um, Because they're, amazing uh and i don't know how they do it they keep conjuring up money to pay these superstars they just got that lineman from the ravens where are they getting the money who knows um cap, and cap, they, sa- uh, salary cap magic they just like threw away money on that but and maybe we can trade with somebody who's in the same position that they're not so looking for much of a strong draft class they're looking for win now moves do I think we're in that position? Kind of, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> so I think Richard Sherman and a young corner would be a really good idea. Uh, Richard Sherman is one of the most prolific football minds of the last 10 years, I think. Um, coming up on a point where I can stand and watch football for 10 years, which is going to be pretty tight. Um, <laughs> getting old, Bennett. We're getting old. And I just, I think Sherman as long as he's been in the league, has been one of the sharpest corners, kind of like the Revis uh, twins, right? No, I'm thinking McCourty. Oh, um, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Who's Revis's brother? I like the McCourty twins and Darrell Revis. Um, just really intelligent, sharp corners who like have some good physicality, but they really more so are about the mind games and getting into their heads and, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey has kind of perfected both sides of it. He's like a, 
he's so fast and so good at uh, man on man in some ways, but he's also just such a brilliant football IQ um, that he can really master both those worlds. So if we can get a guy who's a raw, just piece of stone metal, no, piece of stone marble, and you get Richard Sherman to find tune him a little bit, you could have end up really, really, really good player. Um, so I mean, is that Trill Williams? I don't know. I don't know if I want to spend an early draft pick, regardless of how we end up on a skill position, at least, yeah, period. Um, I don't think we should go for a skill position until the end of the draft, personally, on either side of the ball. But I know I'm kind of changing my tune. I said me my, I think two weeks ago, I stated maybe a corner in the first couple of rounds wouldn't be a bad thing. But I'm thinking if we focus on both lines, which you'll see with my next pick. Um, that'd be nice. And uh, I'd like to make a correction. Uh, Leatherwood plays guard or tackle. Tackle primarily, not guard primarily. I misspoke. Well, he's uh, got that versatility, which is something that you do look and well, that is, At least this team looks for in an O-lineman. It's that, it's that little hint of Tom Cable left behind. Ugh. I still don't know what the Raiders are doing. <laughs> I don't know what happened there yeah. with their they they jettisoned like four of their five linemen from last year. I don't know that that's so bizarre to me. So, yeah. um, it's fragile. But anyways, the next the next pick that we have in the current slate is in the fourth round at pick one two nine. Bennett, you have the floor. Uh, so this is I I kind of the way I chose my picks. I just looked at a bunch of people's mock drafts and conglomerated them in my head. Pick That's them. what I did. Uh, this <laughs> one is Jonathan Marshall. He's a DT. Um, oh, I'm going to have to look up the school he's at. I think he's from Arkansas. Yep. Ar- Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> Not Multiple Arkansas. saws. Um, he's a big... Oh, man, he's big. He's six foot three, three ten. so you're getting height and size off the line here at D-Tackle. And, big, you know, big unit right there. We look at who we have at D-Tackle, and we are kind of lacking. Uh, we just lost Jaron Reed, who was probably our best uh, interior D-line piece, I'd say. I mean, Puna, no disrespect, but I think Jaron At least Reed, for now. At least for now. I mean, Puna's still very young. He's, what, three years into the league? Um, yeah, well, maybe even two. No, I, I think it's got to be three. And, I mean, I don't think Brian Moan, I don't think some of those other guys are necessarily the guy, you know what I mean? So I think somebody like Brandon Marshall, nope. Wow. Oh, wait, no. Three years, yeah, you're right. Jonathan Marshall. Um, I think somebody like him could just bust open the O-line, or the D-line for us. Like, he's got the strength, he's got the power, and he's got the explosiveness. He's a lot like Leatherwood, just on the other side of the ball. Because what you're looking for at D-Tackle, you want a run stuffer. You want somebody who's quick off the line, can get into the center's face. You don't necessarily care about penetration, honestly. At this point, you don't really care if he can get a million sacks a season. That's not his job. Nope. You got this new prototype with Aaron Donald, sure. And, you know, he's doing his own thing. <laughs> and, like, he's, he's, he's being the best D-lineman of all time playing his position differently than a lot of the people have ever played his position. But if you want a big guy like Puna Ford, like Jonathan Marshall, like Jaron Reed, you're not 
preoccupied by their sack count. You more so want their explosiveness to stop the run and to clog up those run gaps and to also just be a dis- general disruption in the middle there. You can blow up a play without ever touching the quarterback. I think we've seen that with Carlos Dunlap, even though he does touch the quarterback quite frequently. Um, and, uh, yeah, Carlos Dunlap, that's the guy I was thinking of. You can, you, can, you can really break a play without even doing anything super flashy. I mean, that's why quarterback pressures are their own stats. So um, that explosiveness, that pushback off the line, I think is something that would be really important to get, especially because we just lost Sharon Reed and Brian Moan and a couple of those other guys. I, I just don't think they're the future of the team. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing a D-tackle interior D-lineman. Yeah, so to your point, the two starting guys, I mean, right now at the D-tackle position are – our, our favorite resident defensive tackle, Puna Ford. And then there's Al Woods, who the team brought back. Uh, I mean, I was, I was solid, but, you know, I think, uh, I mean, and then we look at the rest of the, the depth chart and the base 4-3 defense as we run. We're not a 3-4 mm-hmm. team. Uh, Rasheem Green bumps in there. Miles Adams. Uh, Monet, you know, uh, Monet's cool, and he's had his, his roster spots, but, you know. And then there's Cedric, uh, Cedric Lattimore, who I know uh, popped up in the Rams game. But, I think it would be a good idea to get a guy, you know, obviously Mr. Reed wanted more money. He didn't want to take a pay cut necessarily. Um, so to get a young guy who's going to fill in that role and will can learn from Al Woods and Puna Ford and help out, you know, like you said, plug up those lines and uh, attract blocks uh, for our new pass rushers. It's a, uh, it'd be a good idea. And then, you know, get him on a rookie deal. He's not going to cost as much as a, you know, Mr. Reed wanted to. And I mean, taking around the same or less money from the Chiefs. Less money, but I think they're open to a longer deal after this year. Yeah, um, but I and mean, that's what he wanted. And you start looking at Al Woods. You start looking not so much Puna. Puna's consistent as all get out, but Al Woods. I mean, good player, but like, I think you want more consistency and you want a little more youth on the line. Yep. So, yep, that's my reasoning there. Let's hear Omi's. I want to hear what Omi said. Omari said cornerback for this pick. Okay, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, I, I again, I can see – I'm not going to be a guy like, oh, no, your pick is wrong. I'm the draft guru. I know how it goes. Because, I don't know, that's somehow some people get. They think that they're better GMs than the actual guys who get paid millions of dollars to do this. Um, again, we are not those people. We are just doing this because it's draft season. We have to kind of put some out there. Um, so I think, I think Marshall's a good pick. And, uh, you know, again, like Ben had said, I don't know if you go skill position with that high pick, but also at the same time, I don't think we end this draft with three picks. Um, so I, I'd, here, see something, I'd see something e- either draft day or like tomorrow when this comes out, like when this podcast drops, like in the forthcoming days of the draft, I'd expect some draft positioning. Like I just want to know what, how, like I want to, It'd be really cool to see, uh, you know how they got mic'd up? They they mic up players. It'd be really cool to hear <laughs> John Schneider mic'd up on draft day, hear all the conversations that he's got <laughs> going on. Draft specials before, but I'd love an inside, inside look. That'd be really cool. Let's throw it, uh, just get the feed from the camera in the war room. Because I know they, they got war rooms this year again. They did um, the war room insiders, uh, like, Post talk like 2015, they started to talk about the 2012 war rooms and about specifically Russell Wilson. How a bunch of teams at once were like, 
trying to be like, oh, I want him, I want him, I want him, and oh, then shoot. stole him. It's good you mentioned that because I think I think it was the guy who went. Uh, I think it was uh, shoot. Uh, the guy who joined the Panther staff, if you know who I'm talking about, um, from our staff, who he did a he did like a scouting thing of Russell, and he said, outside of his height, what concerns do we have about this guy? Because they were really high on him, and that was the only thing was people were worried about height. So cool, to, cool to think about. You know, really interesting to uh, remember that and our lovely quarterback at five eleven and like what three and three fourths. 5'11", 3'4", or something. Um, so, at least with my pick here, this is where I go line. I get uh, Robert Hainsey at guard out of Notre Dame. Uh, Hainsey's a guy who, uh, you know, guard, and uh, that interior line is I, – I, I don't think – I don't think that you're going to use a high draft pick necessarily on a, 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 a hair or a successor to uh, Dwayne Brown, at least not right now. Um, and especially not with what little capital you've got. Um, so I went, you know, I think, I think interior lines kind of where we're looking at right now, again, we're not in the war room. I don't know what's on the big whiteboard for these guys. Um, yeah, linebacker out of Texas A&M. I, yeah. I don't know where this comes from. Uh, Hainsey's got a six, four and a half, 306 pounds. Uh, was a senior out of Notre Dame. Uh, he played right tackle for Notre Dame in 2019 in the first eight games, uh, but he fractured his ankle. Uh, second team, all ACC uh, in 2021. 20, ooh, didn't play next year. Um, and started all 12 games through the college football playoff. Ooh. Uh, so he's a top-heavy guy, but he's got good technique. Uh, not exactly a fast guy, uh, which, you know, in some – uh, some linemen, I mean, they're not all fast. I know that there's some clips of Larry Allen chasing down a guy in the Saints on a pick, but that's pretty rare, you know. Uh, but having that lateral quickness is good. Um, but he's, I mean, he's projected to be f- uh, fourth or fifth round. Um, and it makes sense to me. Um, but he could be sort of a, a piece that you could throw at center. That's kind of why I had him there and why I pr- prioritized him is because he's got sort of the versatility to be thrown uh, around in the interior line. Um, so, I mean, overall, the idea is interior line here. That's kind of what we're sticking with. Uh, now, this this next pick is interesting to me because I didn't necessarily have a name. But when you told me yours, Bennett, I was like, hmm, I was interested. But again, it's like if this guy falls to us. So in the seventh round, the lovely seventh round with pick 250, Bennett, the floor is yours again. Yeah, I got Amir uh, Smith Marset. He is a um, he's another versatile guy. I think versatility is going to be a big word in this draft because I think the NFL is starting to trend towards a more versatile uh, picture, um, but maybe not so much where Smith Marset lands. Smith Marset played both sides in uh, college and high school, um, uh, less so in college. I believe he played corner in college for one season. I don't know. Maybe I misread that. Uh, Might have been time at high school. But he's um, he is a wide receiver, kind of a kind of being looked at as a wide receiver uh, return specialist. Um, but he's got great speed. He's actually not terrible height. He's just a little bit over six foot, um, and I think he provides uh, not so much explosiveness because I've been using that a lot. But he's 
Kind of a shady. Word of the day. Well, I think it's a good thing for a football team to be explosive. If you want, you don't want to be want... slow off the ball. That won't get yeah, exactly. anywhere. You want that play to develop the second the ball is snapped on either side. So you start looking at guys like my previous two picks, but you start looking at this guy. He's more of a shady. As the play develops, he can do a little more. Um, and, uh, you know, if he didn't have his injuries and he didn't have his suspensions, he'd probably be a round three, round four type of guy. Uh, but he... Oh, and if he also didn't have just, like, a terrible team his senior year, uh, he played with one of the worst <laughs> college football QBs of the season. And um, I just... I think that somebody like him is built to be a Seahawk. I mean, like... I mean, just think about this story. And this is stupid, and this is just classic draft BS. But, like, no, there's been no Iowa uh, wide receiver draftee since 2012. Jeez. He's got... <laughs> but his numbers... Oh, my goodness. His numbers are ridiculous. Like, he has just... He's amazing speed. He has, like, amazing... Uh, I don't want to say catchability because that's stupid, <laughs> but he like he can catch anything you throw at him. He has like ridiculous, like um, concentration when it comes to getting these balls out of the air. I guess I mean, that's stupid, but you know what I mean. He fights for any ball, mm-hmm. and to make some really spectacular catches. Um, he's taken kicks to the house before. He um, has like he just has great upside for a team to take him, and I think if you get him in the seventh round, you're not really you're not really taking a big risk. Um, and I think the only reason people aren't necessarily looking at him is because he had a troubled senior year, and he had uh, he, he pulled some stupid things. He I think he did a front flip into the end zone and hurt himself, and people were like. Uh. You know, that's that shows he's not ready for the NFL. It's like, oh shut up. Like he was a kid. He's like he's my age probably when he did that. I don't I don't care. Like <laughs> who cares? Give him a break. He was probably like nineteen or twenty one at that point. Just like who cares? <laughs> okay, it's interesting that I'm reading about this guy because it's it's hard to take stock into this because they they, they miss on some big guys, right? But NFL.com, the the prospect profile pits this guy at around six or seven. Right. Uh, his strengths include having, having potential to operate as a gadget guy uh, and creating yards and touchdowns from a variety of looks. And when I read stuff like this, um, you know, uh, decent after-the-catch talent, a talented kick returner, it, it, it's interesting to me because this comes into play because of Shane Waldron and being able to potentially use a guy like that um use uh, well it's interesting that it says uh, weaknesses used on jet sweeps um i don't know how that's a weakness oh, but no. it, so it, it, it's interesting because that you know it brings into question being able to use the, use him in this offense you know uh with what shane waldron might have upcoming and his um, speed, his sneaky speed and like it's not even sneaky speed. The dude's hella quick. Quick. It's just that once the play develops, he's already at the in freaking end zone, um, and just that kind of like he could be a dagger when you're not even paying attention. I say I don't want to go as far as Tyree Kill, but I will go as far as Tavon Austin. He, he reminds me a little bit of that type of 
like dagger in the dagger between the ribs. You're not quite paying attention. Uh oh, Tavon Austin's in the end zone. Yep, he's already there. Huh. Well, and then see because it, it mentions returnability, and I don't unless I'm really oh, yeah. forgetting somebody. I mean, DJ Reed played returner. Yeah, so I mean, he could he could fit in there. And I know that the team has expressed that they they have trust in Freddie Swain, and I'm I'm not going to doubt that right now. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just interesting to throw in another name and really sort of uh, bump up uh, competition there because they love to compete, compete this, compete that. But I mean, at, at punt return, it's DJ Reed and Ugo Amadi is second listed on the depth chart. And you probably don't want to injure key defensive players, you know, by having them out there. And then kick return is Freddie Swain, DJ Reed, and Travis Homer. So interesting to think about. Um, I feel about Homer. That's my, <laughs> that's my third, that's my pick there as well. So, I mean, there's not much to say outside of that. And then in the seventh round, Omari had defensive line or wide receiver. So, again, kind of a trend here with wide receiver. Um, so, I think this question I know the answer to already. Will this team make trades for more picks? And if so, do you have a estimate on how many picks it will have at the end of the night? Five. It will end of the draft. Five. I think we get two more picks. Five? Uh, probably in four and five. Uh, maybe five and six. I, I just I don't see us going for anything in round one or two. Nope. Yeah, I don't see us getting another pick in round two. If we do, it'll be a small trade, probably just a positionality. I could see us trading our rounds four, right? No, our round five. No, what is our other round? <laughs> Hold on. Give me two, a four, and seven. Two, four, and seven. Yeah, I could see us trading our round four. Um. Oh, you know, I don't know, though. Because our, our draft capital is in such a weird spot because we can't trade a bunch of picks to make a better improvement. So whatever happens, it's probably going to be a player. Um, well, and then it's interesting, again, to think about... Uh, I think we talked about this when we initially signed mm-hmm. Alden Smith. Uh, the amount of guys that we've got on the defensive end radar right now, if we take a look here... Can we get compensatory for that? I don't know what the situation is. He's still on the depth chart. <gasps> I don't know what goes on there. Um, let's just took a took. Let's take a look at the D line. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, LJ Collier, Daryl Taylor. There's three guys already. Right defensive end: Kerry Hyder, Alden Smith, Benson Mioa, Alton Robinson. That's seven guys right there, and I highly doubt that they keep all of those guys. There's no real reason to. So it's I, it makes you wonder if they have to say, hey, we can't keep everybody on here. Somebody's got to go. And then maybe they trade them away for a pick. Now, Red, they're somewhat comfortable with their, with their draft positionality right now. I can't imagine that being 100% true, personally. I know I'm- these guys, unless something has changed with their draft situation, with their draft strategy, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's murmurings of, like, we need to improve some of our capital. But, I mean, with signings, like, we just signed Dante Freeman and, like, for whatever reason. Not Did we? Devonta, yeah, not Devonta Freeman, so don't get too excited. I thought he came in for a visit. I didn't know he signed. Oh, he did? I thought he signed. Um, All I saw was nine hours ago, they worked him out, which I don't know why. I don't know why that would be a thing. Wait, am I getting his name just wrong? It's like Donta. It's D-O-N-T-A. And his last name is Freeman, right? Yep. 
Nope. Foreman. Oh, oops. Out of Texas. Um, oops. Oh, I thought we signed him. But I think it's it's showing that we're trying to fill out our roster in ways other than the draft. So does that show we're not going to do anything? No. But does it show we're pretty comfortable with three or four or five? I, I think so. So, you know, I think I, I agree with five picks. That sounds about right. I think that they're going to um... – I'm sure that they'll add stuff, but I don't think they go crazy and end up with like seven or something. So be something to watch. The draft is on the 29th and it lasts through May 1st. I typically don't watch the later rounds. I might tune in to see who we pick in the second round, but that's about, that's about it. And I'll question who we pick. Like I did when we, I have a video of me when we uh, picked Rashad Penny, I was very upset because I was like, why do we need a running back? We'll see how that goes. Uh, and then even with, uh, even with, I did the same thing last year when we picked, uh, Mr. Brooks and I was like, what the, f-? um, I'm okay with Brooks. I, I like the pick more than the Rashad Penny pick. Whoopsie. So we'll see how that goes, um, here on Thursday, getting into the rest of the Seahawks and this free agency tracker, free agency, two big signings. Ooh. The team re-signed backup quarterback Geno Smith. Welcome back, Geno. Joined the team in 2019 initially and has been Russell Wilson's backup in his time here. So uh, good to have Geno back. Coin flip God. Um, and the team also did bring back cornerback Pierre Desir, as we mentioned. Uh, first spent time with Seattle in 2016 and 2017, and he had three interceptions in eight starts last year. Not bad. Um, Alden Smith radar. Uh, he turned himself in into the Louisiana police and was later released on bond. Still waiting to hear more information on that. Um, I know that Smith has posted some things on social media saying, he's basically saying if somebody was beating up your sister, your pregnant sister, you know, how would you react? So uh, again, we don't know the full details quite now, uh, but it's kind of interesting to see this unfold and hopefully we can really sort of figure out what's going on um, as we hear more information. Uh, interesting to speak about Mr. Penny here because there was an article that came out about fifth-year options for teams in the 19 draft. Well, I forgot. Uh, it, there's an article that came out about fifth-year options uh, for players. Um, uh, and obviously our guy from that uh, time was Rashad Penny. So, how are, we, how are we feeling right now about picking up that option or leaving it? Leave them. I, I just, I don't, I I don't know. If you guys have listened to me before, I'm rooting for the fella. I think he, I think he has some opportunities to do decent in the league, but there comes a clock with every draft pick. And if you don't, and, and this is kind of just the nature of the NFL. It's kind of sink or swim. If you don't do really well, in your first couple seasons, you're kind of done. Like, and it's just, that's how it is. Nobody makes that rule. Nobody enforces it. But once it happens, it happens. You can look at guys like, I don't think you can point at any star wide receiver, not wide receiver, any star running back right now and go, well, it took them five years to develop. No. Like, you can't point at any of the, I don't even think any of the starting wide uh running backs you can't point any of them go well it took them five years and now they're finally good 
Did Derrick Henry take a couple years to develop? Yes, but he was already not like five though. Five took like two, and in those two years, he was already pretty darn good. I think he was a backup for one of them. So it's like, yes, there is a natural progression with these types of things, and yes, we do have Chris Carson somehow um, still, so we're still good there. And Chris Carson is the best seventh round pick of all time. I don't know of any other seventh round picks that have done well in the NFL, as well as Chris Carson, who's currently playing here or in Florida. I just don't think the seventh round really matters that much outside of Chris Carson. Um, definitely nobody who's run like a couple rings. I don't think nothing's really coming to my mind, but um, I just think that this guy was your first round pick. He hasn't really touched the ball in the last five years, and when he has, he gets his leg broken. Um, so I think it's time to move on, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's just tough. Next year, um, we're looking for a running back. I'll just put that out there. but It's just tough because, you know, obviously you want to give the guy chances. Um, but it just um, – was it in 19 you know he had some a good game against the eagles and he was kind of starting to come in there and then he get injured you know um and then last year at the end of the year he comes back doesn't really show much you know so um and you know it doesn't i don't know if it's i don't know how long the rashad penny experience uh lasts at least up in here seattle how much longer that happens so um the nfl is going to release the regular season schedule on May 12th. It is the first 17 game regular season in NFL history. Oh, yeah. So we'll see how that all plays out. I know that the 17th game uh, is going to be Seahawks at Pittsburgh. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that season plays out. Uh, and we'll see how the road of the season will look on the 12th. Um, and the NFL did officially pass the Jersey number rule. The big hoot with that. Um, is that the players who want to change their jersey for this season will have to buy out the inventory of NFL manufacturing partners of the jersey of the current number. So they have to go and just basically buy up all the stock of their current numbered jerseys um, if they want to have it this year. But uh, if, if you let the NFL know this year that you want to change your number next year, you don't have to do that. So it's like if you really want it this year, you got to pay out. You got to buy out the stock. If not, you just let them know for next year. Who's the last person to wear eight for the Seahawks? Last guy I remember is Hasselbeck. Yeah. Oh, that actually could be kind of hard because they still, I think they still sell, do they still sell throwback jerseys for him? I think no? the, the, the throwback jerseys that they sell are just the ones of the original logo. Oh, well, you know what? Dunlap could pull it off. To wear number eight. I wonder if there's a website that helps me find. I don't want the best players. I want just another with numbers. There's one for the Mariners that's really nice. Yeah, but in terms of number eights, I can't remember anything. I know Touchdown Jesus wore number six. Charlie Whitehurst, God bless him. Dunlap wants to get that eight back. So I think you should be clear for it if he wants to pay, you know, or if he wants to wait till next year. Um, This is a piece of news I don't really care about. Uh, Goodell draft hugs are back. 
commissioner has been fully vaccinated and players are allowed to hug him after they have been drafted. Wow. You know what? I don't really care. Roger Goodell kind of sucks. Yeah. I thought that was stupid. I was like, okay. Um, uh, Oh, the NFL and the Players Association have approved the first position-specific helmet design built for offensive and defensive linemen. Uh, So that's kind of cool. Interesting to see how that goes. And the NFL owners did approve several rule changes, the jersey numbers being one of them. Uh, they approved a one-year experiment in an attempt to make it easier to recover onside kicks. Receiving team will be limited to nine players within 25 yards of the ball on kickoffs. Interesting to see how that goes uh, because onside kicks were at a record low last season. So we'll see how much of a difference that makes. Uh, they eliminated overtime in preseason games, and taunting is a point of emphasis for 2021 officiating this does not include celebrations. This is more so player-to-player interaction on the field, um, like the uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tyreek Hill exchange. Um, do we have any thoughts on mm-hmm. any of these rules that have been listed? Um, just on that last one, I think personally it's a little silly. A little um, fun league. Yeah, let's be real here. Let's be uh, extraordinarily real here, more so than we've ever been ever. At the end of the day, football is a game. Like it's a game. Yes, we're getting they're getting paid a lot of money to play this game. And it is a livelihood for a lot of people, not just on the field. Like football employs a lot of folks, and that's a really good thing. But when you're on the field playing in that process of playing, notice the word I'm saying. Play. play. So I don't know why we have to take taunting out of it. It's it's it is it, it's one of the it's not a core tenet of football. Don't get me wrong, it's not because you don't watch every football game. And there's not that fun. No 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 no. At, after every play, but I mean like it's fun. It's a fun game. You're gonna get up and get hyped and get in the dude's face that you just like worked on a play. You just moss somebody, get in his face and be like, yeah, I just mossed you. That's what people like too. And it's like. I don't know, DK Metcalf doesn't really do it that often, but sometimes he just gets in their face and doesn't say anything, and I think that's freaking funny. Like, he'll just, like, completely moss some guy and just walk up to him. Um, Jalen Ramsey, as much as I hate how he acts on the field, and it's not because he's like, acts stupid, it's just because he, he's a good player, and then he makes one of us, and it hurts my feelings. Um... Like, it's fun. It's fun for Rams fans. Akella Witherspoon did that. Okay, Akella Witherspoon's celebration was dumb, but he did that flex where he was like, Um, that was stupid, but I'm sure it was really fun if you were a 49ers fan, but you lost, so loser. Uh, Now you're playing for us, so get dunked on. Um... (laughs) And 49ers fans get very upset that we have Niners players on our team. They're like, oh, they're so obsessed with us. It's like, this happens with, like, every rivalry. Yeah, we're not obsessed with you. We won, like, six games last season. We do not care. It's like Malcolm Smith went over there. Uh, Mike Davis was a Niner at one point. You oh, know. Uh, Richard frickin' Sherman, huh? Who's that? Who's that? Um, it's just like, you know, don't get so butthurt. I just – and that's, like, kind of what I have to say to the league, too. Don't get so butthurt. It's a fun game. Let it be fun. Do you want to be the NBA where anything gets you a tech? Like, unless you're... Yeah, the uh, the officials haven't been doing too good this year. Like, yeah, you pass them a ball and they're like... All right, that's enough. Get them out of here. 
it's so like I don't know. I just don't want the NFL to become more and more of a league that's just like. And I'm not doing the whole. Ooh, it's so, it's so politically correct. It's gonna be like all pansy. I don't know. I something to do from King of the Hill, but like. Um, Damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. It's not like that. It's just you know you kind of take away some of these things. It's like it was like the thing when they finally lifted the celebrations thing. It's like, why are you limiting celebrations? Why is that a thing? It's you so know? dumb. Football's not like a gentleman's sport. I don't you don't want to make it like baseball where they get mad. There's these unwritten rules where you can't – no flipping the bats, no and showing, no, no emotion. Those rules are dumb anyways. <laughs> Just, you like, know, we don't Tati, want to get like that. Tati's hit the home run or whatever, and everybody got mad at him for that. Oh, there was oh he might have which one where he might have peaked they say he was peaking no, at the no, side. No, not that one. It was last season. He like he hit a Oh the, the grand slam. Dude, we're playing in a professional game right and you're throwing me strikes. What do you want me to do? Yeah, don't throw me a freaking meatball and expect me not to hit it. Yeah, it's I'm just, like I get paid to hit these balls. I'm gonna hit them. If you don't want DK Metcalf to flex on your entire bench, maybe don't let him catch his third touchdown. Well, like, and this this goes. It's funny you mention that because this goes back to the Panthers season where they were really good. If you didn't want Cam to do the funny dance on you, don't you let stop him, him. You stop him. The Either Titans that, were very upset, but they couldn't stop him, so he he did the funny dance. And you know, it all comes from a place of hey, this guy is really good. It's frustrating that he keeps winning. Don't take the fun away for everybody else. No. So, in the end, NFL's still pretty bad. Please, more fun. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's like, hey, you could be so much better. So, oh, Roger Goodell. Uh, the NFL draft is April 29th through May 1st. We will definitely have some things to talk about next Tuesday about it. But maybe we'll provide, uh, maybe we'll provide live coverage on the Circling Seattle Sports Instagram page. Chocolate. I could do that. In the tweeter, in the yeah. tweeter, because those are what those are in the afternoon. They always do them in the afternoon. So we'll int- and where is it this? It's in Cleveland this year. Cleveland um, last year. I wonder how it'll be. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be in Vegas last year. They were supposed to have it where they were out in the water, and the draft pick would get on a little boat and they'd get up to the podium. They go over to like the float where the good. It was so it was gonna be. It was gonna be interesting because it was Vegas, but obviously it never happened. I'm sure they'll give it back to Vegas on another year. Um, getting into our baseball team, the Seattle Mariners, uh, April 9th versus the LA Dodgers. They would win four to three. Play the game for that game. For me, it was center fielder Taylor Tremelli had two hits, uh, one run and an R- uh, two RBIs. I think in that game he had a home run and a double. Um. So good for Tatram there. And April 20th versus the Dodgers. They lose 1-0. to zero. Uh, Play of the game for me in that game was Marco Gonzalez. Seven innings pitched, zero earned runs, six Ks, and a walk. At the end of the day, if you split a series against the reigning, defense, the reigning world champs who haven't exactly gotten worse by any margin that's big, um, it's a good success. And especially if that game you lose to them is one to nothing. I don't think that's – I think that was a good series for the Mariners there. Uh, obviously, you'd like to score a run in that game, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, they've they've got a pretty good pitching staff. Um, so, April twenty second, after the the rest day that they got, they travel to Boston to play the Red Sox. They win the first game seven to three. Uh, play of the game for that one was right fielder Mitch Haniger with one hit, two runs, and three RBIs. That hit was a three run homer in the tenth inning. Um, 
Oh yeah, they won in ten innings in that game. <laughs> um, April twenty third at the Red Sox, they would lose six to five. Player of the game was Kyle Seager with two hits, one run, and four BRs. It would have a three run home run in the ninth inning of that game to bring the team back within the run. Uh, April twenty fourth at the Boston Red Sox, they would win eight to two. Again, Kyle Seager here with three hits, two runs, three RBIs, and he was a home run short of the cycle. But he had two two hits that in a lot of other ballparks would have been home runs uh, via distance. So, you know, obviously it'd be really cool to see Kyle hit for the Seager there. I think the last guy to do it was um, is it A-Rod. I think he was A-Rod. I know the first guy to do it in 93 was Buner, I think. Uh, but it would it'd be cool to, you know, witness a cycle i mean i heard on the radio but uh you know he had the triple first and then i think he had the i think it went in reverse already went triple double single uh it was just sort of the home run there and then chris flexen uh co-player of the game here was seven innings pitched four hits one run one rbi and seven k's chris flexen formerly of the deuce on bears is he's having a good year right now uh bennett's shaking his head because we didn't necessarily see this coming into the year but hey I don't think I don't think we're gonna you know necessarily be mad at it, um, and we'll have to sort of revisit our picks from beginning of the season here. Um, I think a couple times throughout the season, just because it's a long season. Um, but hey, happy flexion day! You know when that happened. I don't know who's pitching Tuesday. I don't think it's Chris. Um, April twenty fifth at the Red Sox, they would lose three to five. Uh, play the game. Uh, catcher Tom Murphy with one hit, one run on RBI. You split the series against Boston, who's this year, at least at this point, has been a pretty good team. Um, and you, what you the you lose by a combined three runs, it's not a bad result. Uh, and again, we have to go. I have to reiterate this. This is not necessarily a win now team right now. Yeah, we didn't come into the year thinking we were going to the playoffs, unless you somehow hyped yourself up to think that, you know. Uh, so, I mean, this is good to see the young guys, you know, continue to fight and continue to stay in these games, um, and not necessarily get blown out. Um, and then April 26th at the Houston Astros, the team travels down to Houston. They did lose five to two, um, kind of got away, uh, gave away some runs early on and not weren't necessarily able to climb back into it too much. Uh, play of the game for this one. I had Kyle Lewis here get his first home run of the year, uh, one run, one RBI, and a walk uh, straightaway center. I mean, he, for some reason, when he tra- travels down to Houston, he just becomes Hulk. So, um, again, we need to remember the fact that these guys are young. These guys are learning. They're getting experience for getting these at-bats. This is good. Whether this success is sustainable or not throughout the rest of the season isn't really on my the front of my mind right now. And if I'm Jerry DePoto, I don't think it's necessarily on my mind. I think if, I'm Jerry DePoto, if I'm Jerry DePoto, I am flooping jazzed about how we are doing right now. Especially about Chris Lexon. I mean, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, even guys like Kyle Seeger. Jesus, I bet Kevin Mather just fired, like, set a fire under his ass. You okay. know what I mean? Like, he probably heard that and was like, you know what? Screw you. Like, who cares? Like, I'm going to go out there, have my best season for the last five, half decade, and just murder out in the field out of nowhere. Like, um, and then I fail. I, I need to mention this, too, as you're mentioning that. The other run in the Astros game was a Kyle Seeger home run. So, you know. Kyle, Kyle squared. Kyle squared? The, the, Kyle friends. 
Somebody who I've been bullish about in the past and had had a good last week, Sam Haggerty. Yeah. Uh, Sam Haggerty had a really good week. He hit a home run over the Green Monster, and he also hit a home run. Ah, I forgot the name. The street in the Orioles ballpark that Griffey hit oh, a home run onto. Um, he's, he's, he's had a good year. He's a good base runner. He's fast. I can't speak on his defensive ability necessarily because I'm not a defensive genius. But he's, he's, he's played well, and he's putting the ball in play, which is important when you play baseball at the major league level. Um, I was kind of bullish on him. I know I did mention him in my uh, my episode last year about young talent. I know that his name was brought up, so I haven't been a hater of him the whole time. And I have to find it. But I remember when we traded with the Padres, I was excited about the Trammell pick. He's the he's the cover picture for one of the episodes. So I've been I've been on this Trammell train for a while. We both. Don't wanna... I mean, you've probably been on it longer than I have, but like I've been I've been on it since I've heard about him. And we've been on it since spring. You know, I've been high on Trammell. I've been high on Trammell in France <laughs> uh, since since we talked about some of our previews for the season. I was excited for both of them, and I think I was most excited for Marco and I think that's actually finally panning out. I was I he was had a rough start, but I think he's start, but he's turning he's riding in the ship and I think tomorrow when I mean we'll be seeing how well he's doing. Um oh yeah. What is released. Um That's right. That's who's pitching. If there's one person who's making me eating my shoes right now, it's Chris Flexen. <laughs> and we'll we'll see how that continues to go. Um oh I need to have uh oopsie I need to have my other injury uh, thing because in that uh, in that three to five loss against Boston, the kind of the issues in that game were that uh, Nick Mark was it Nick? I think it was Nick. Uh, hold on, I have to find my injuries. We're gonna I'm gonna continue. Oh, play of the week, play of the week. I had Kyle Seeger. I think it was clear cut there. Um, he had a great week and he's had a pretty good beginning of the year. Um, so it's been really cool to see that, uh, continue to happen. And I hope they pick his option up. I really do. Um, are you in agreement with that? No, I, 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 well, yes, I think he was the player of the game for player of the week for sure. Oh, the other person you could argue is Hanniger, but uh, I think Kyle Seager had a clear cut better week. Um, and I, I guess Flexen too. Flexen put up a one spot. That's not too bad. That's no. In fact, that's very good. Um, but I, I will say, like Kyle Seeger, I, I don't want to say it too early, but it does feel like he's going through a bit of a regenesis this season. It's bizarre to see him light it up as much as he's been lighting it up. Um, I don't know what he's hitting 230 right now. I mean, he might be hitting a little higher than that, but when he when he hits, he hits <laughs> like he gets. He's has he has a good amount of RBIs. He has a good amount of um, just overall. I think his slugging must be pretty high right now. Um, I will get on that for you right away. Uh, I think he, I just looked it up. He's 235 right now, so I was pretty close, but. It feels like he's hitting more than 235. I don't know how to explain it. But, that makes sense. It does feel like he's hitting a little over his batting average right now. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. Um, sometimes you got a little more pop in your bat, so you don't necessarily have the highest average, but you do 
Um, you have a decent amount of RBIs and a decent amount of um, like a higher slugging percentage. I mean, does he? I think he must lead the team in RBIs right now. He's got nine. Well, he's tied for second in the league with twenty RBIs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I. He's not doing bad for himself by any means. I think I'm excited to see him continue. I hope we dunk on the Astros tomorrow. <laughs> I just I don't like the Astros. But yeah, Kyle Seeger, my guy. I love him. I'm so happy he's doing better. I lied. He's at 247 right now. I can't believe you'd lie to me, Bennett. I was looking at the wrong side. Um, unanimous winner there, Kyle Seeger. Um, current record is 13 and 10. They are second in the AL West behind the Oakland Athletics, who went on a 13 game winning streak. How? I don't know. Stupid Athletics. What the heck? Um, so you know again this is I, I i know that we're excited about the hot start i know i know it's very cool but i i would not put my money in the playoff playoff tickets this year i would i would hold off for a year um injury news i have some good news i have some bad news kyle lewis was activated off injury list on the 20th of april obviously if he's playing in games uh, and he played the game versus the dodgers on the 20th uh, and then again, to go back to that three to five loss on the 25th against the Red Sox, uh, Nick Margavichis was the starting pitcher of that game. And he came out of one of the games at home here uh, because he, you know, he had some, some arm discomfort in his throwing arm. He was, <laughs> uh, from what I heard in the broadcast booth, the pitches he was throwing were not hittable. They were not competitive pitches. Um, and he, he walked like four straight guys. He walked in a couple runs, so they had to pull him. Um, he was placed on the 10 day, uh, Nick Margavish just was placed on the 10 day aisle with uh shoulder inflammation, not good when you're a pitcher. Um, and in response to that, the team recalled Robert Duggar from the alternate training site, and he did get some time in the Astros game tonight. Um, let me see how that went actually, just so I know. Um, but it's it's it, this called into play um, whether or not the team might move away from a six man rotation and go to a five man rotation, considering the team has some uh, some off days in May. The oh. service says that. Whoa, sorry, I I clicked on the game and I think the Geico ad scared me. Um, what was it? Oh, Robert Duggar pitched two innings, only gave up two hits. Nice. Um, Will Vest. Play, uh, pitched uh, a, thir- a two-thirds of an inning and had a strikeout. Good for Will Vest. Um, what was it? What was I saying? What was I talking about? No idea. Wow, I completely trailed off there. Um, oh, the Scott services are not going to go away from the six-man rotation. It's no. probably going to be LJ Newsom who steps into Nick Margavich's role. And LJ Newsom, to his, to his point, has had some good outings. So... It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, in team-related news, the team sent down Braden Bishop down to the alternate training site in response to activating Kyle Lewis. Um, and then around the MLB, the MLB and MLBPA uh, met for CBA talks. Leaders from both groups held the first official negotiating session uh, before the collective bargaining agreement lapses. Um, I don't think we'll see a stoppage in play at some point soon. I had hope not. I hope they get that taken care of. But I am not in those meetings, so I do not know. Do not? Uh, what happened? Did uh, they kick me out? Yeah. Oh. I that I was recording the meetings. 
Uh, the upcoming schedule is they will play the Astros the 27th, 28th, and 29th, all down in Houston. Then they will come up here and play the Anaheim Angels the 30th, 1st, and 2nd for the next week. Um, i trying to think if I remember. It'll be the first time we see the Angels this year uh, and our, our good friend, Mike Trout, who seems to love to play in this ballpark. Uh, um, and Shoei Otani, who everybody seems to love this year. Um, but to his credit, Jacob deGrom is having a better year. Uh, but it, it'll be a good, interesting test to see how the, uh, the team plays these Angels um, who still have Albert Pujols. I don't know how, how Pujols is doing this year, actually. Uh, Rendon, Anthony Rendon, obviously Mike Trout, uh, who I think is clearing away, has been clearing away the best player in baseball for years. Um, what about Aaron Judge? What's he even doing now? Not I think much. I read that him and Stanton – and uh, one of the other guys, the, the the Yankees have just kind of been a, oh, it's funny that you mentioned Judge around the time of the Angels because there were talks last year about the Yankees trading Judge to the Angels. They oh, didn't materialize into serious things. That'd be a freaking nightmare. <laughs> but there were talks about it. He might not uh, be as good as he was in his like, first he's couple still, years. He's still a threat. He's still Aaron Judge. Oh, Jesus. That'd be bad. So, I didn't know about that. Um. That is it for our Mariners. Uh, here is your weekly home Seattle. Uh, Bennett, do you have the – Do you can you pick it up this week or no? I don't have the ad copy. Okay. You don't go. have my sheet. Go for uh, it. I think I'm right right now, but you can go for it. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. I know that uh, our friend Race over there is working on some some pretty cool things with Chrome right now. And I think that some of the heart puffers are still available in limited sizes. That is a limited edition drop. So if you want to look, uh, if you want to have something that sticks out, you want to have something that goes to a good cause uh, and that helps with the mental health conversation while also being prepared for the Seattle winters, I would go and get one of those. I already have one of those. I did wear it actually uh, when it rained on Saturday, right? It rained on Saturday. So I was like, Hey, I have an excuse to wear this. Um, it's just well, it's, uh, it's a good good cause, great clothes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> like seriously, take your time, go look it up, go check out their gear. It is some seriously like high quality clothing, and like it just yeah. it's a cause. And I think it's pretty affordable. And like, if you're into Seattle sports, a lot of them are Seattle sports yep. themed. That's what I was gonna say. Yep, um, and it's some pretty good stuff i mean like i've been meaning to get myself a hat i think um the second my birthday hits and i get that nice birthday moolah i'm gonna get <laughs> hat. Yeah, start repping the brand a little bit but seriously guys I'd, I'd check it out if you have the time and have the funds to do so yep and then it is it as well as uh, maestro athletics are both linked on the website so uh under their under uh partners uh, getting into the Sounders who are now in the regular season. I have to change the little uh, sidebar next to it. It still says preseason. Oops. Regular season, they played the second game of the year on the 24th at LAFC. They would come to a draw one-to-one. Edward Estacio scored for LAFC in the second minute, but then in the 54th minute, Brad Smith and his freshly shaven bald head equalized for the Sounders with a header to give Seattle the draw. They would not score again, obviously. Um I'm okay with a draw at LAFC. 
Ben, I don't know how much you know about the Sounders. Um, but uh, to preference, LAFC came in the league a couple of years ago, and they're basically like the golden child, right? It's funny that I say that because their colors are black and gold, okay? Um, they're like... David Beckham. That was the Galaxy. What did you just say? LAFC. There's LAFC, and then there's LA Galaxy. They actually have a rivalry called El Trafico, just because the stadiums are like... Haha, <laughs> because it's traffic and it's LA. Yes, exactly. Um, but LAFC beat us, I think, the three f- first three or five times they played us. But then a couple of years ago, uh, in the Western Con- in 2019, in the Western Conference Championship game, we beat them down in LAFC to advance to the MLS Cup, which we would win. And then we beat them last year in the playoffs um, to advance. Not to the, I, don't, I think that was a first round game. But uh, basically, we've kind of got the better of them lately. Um, but they're, they're, they're a good club um, to draw with them early in the season is on anything we can complain about. Um, so I'm not, not mad at the result. Um, would like to beat them, especially down in LA, but, you know. Um, injury news Nico Lodero did not play versus LAFC and Bennett. This is without one of our key playmakers. So. Uh, he's been out for a couple of weeks. And in preseason, Brian Schmetzer did say that this was a day-to-day injury. This is obviously not a day-to-day injury. And Nico might be out for a couple more weeks. Uh, the team sits at one win and one draw. They are st- – oh, this could be wrong. I think I saw that uh, the Galaxy were top of the table. See, it's it's interesting to me, you know, when I do this, when I update things like, you know, uh, standings and uh, record and point differential because – you know, with the MLB and in NFL, um, with you know, with like those leagues, it's you know, it's like scores and schedule and rosters. When I get to soccer, it's like table and fixtures. I'm like, oh god, oh god, what does this all mean? <laughs> I, I'm not the you know, I'm not a soccer aficionado. I'm not the best with the terminology. Um, but if I go to table here, if it loads. Oh, I don't want transfers. Table, come on. Uh, yes, we are second uh, in – I don't know how we're – oh, we're second uh, in the Western Conference behind LA Galaxy just because they have two wins. We have the one win and the draw. Um, and on May 2nd, we will play the Galaxy at home here at Lumen Field. So that will be a cool uh, test here to sort of get that out of the way, play the two LAFC, to play the two LA teams back-to-back. Um, and we'll see how that goes. I do not think we'll see Nico Ladero uh, for that game. Seattle Storm, the Seattle Storm are in their preseason. Trainings camp did start on Sunday, um, and I will find – well, actually, I might have some things. Um, if it's if you've got the tweeter, right, um, there's a really good account to follow uh, for Seattle Storm stuff. Let me find the right uh, – it's WNBA Storm Chaser. They're basically like a, a storm account. Um, just to recap some things from training camp, um, Coach Kloppenberg told Coach Dan Hughes that Candace Dupree is going to fit really well with the team. Dupree said she's picking up things and thought team did really well in practice today. That's on Sunday. Um, asked if, when asked if uh, her approach changed coming from Indiana, Dupree said that uh, her approach doesn't change because Indiana, she was the primary veteran. Uh, especially right now because there's so many young players in training camp helping them and answering questions if they're confused or lost. Um, 
And then when asked about her primary goals for training camp in Seattle this year, Dupree said that she is learning her new teammates, building team chemistry, and learning the new offensive and defensive sets. It is it is key to sort of see that, you know, because obviously there are some vets on this team, but there are so are some young guys, young young women. Um, what were you gonna say, Bennett? Oh, I just made a noise with my mouth. Oh, um, so it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, you know, they bring in these veterans and Candace Dupree and Ty Young and see the the role that they'll play. Um, Keanu Williams had a good second day of training camp, which is today on Monday. Uh, she's excited to compete at the WNBA level and learn as much as possible from both Sue Bird and Jordan Canada and called it the perfect situation for her, which I agree. She's got probably the greatest WNBA player of all time in Sue Bird, and she's got a, a pretty good point guard in Jordan Canada speaking with her too. Uh, speaking of Sue Bird, Sue Bird mentioned yesterday that forward India Jones at Texas A&M was all over the place in practice in a positive manner. Um, Coach Dan Hughes said that she's a rebounding machine and had to challenge other players in the post to keep her off the boards. So it's interesting to see that because the team does have, you know, a good amount of forwards on the team. And I mean, if she's a rebounder and she's, if, if at any point, in any level of basketball, if you're able to get boards, you're probably going to be on the team. So India Jones might be carving her way out of the, the starting roster. Well, not necessarily the starting roster, but the, uh, the regular season roster at this point. Um, Storm training camp will continue uh, throughout the beginning of May here, and we will see the beginning of the season in mid-May. Um, I, don't nec- I don't have the uh, ad spot for them here yet, but Maestro Athletics – Go check them out. They are also on the partner list. Um, they, I think they're going to do, I think he said that they're going to do a restock of the uh, the Seattle theme, Seattle sports themed hoodie. Uh, what it is is they've got, it's a hoodie, it's a standard hoodie, and they've got Maestro written across the front of the chest, but it's got letters from different sports teams, uh, which is a really cool concept and it really does fit with what we're doing here at the Certainly Seattle Sports Podcast, obviously with all these Seattle sports teams. So I'd go check it out. Uh, it's M-A-E-S-T-R-O Athletics, and it will be also linked on the partners part of the website. Uh, Seattle Kraken News. <laughs> this is interesting to me because I just find it silly. Uh, there is a Kraken dive bar that sued the Seattle NHL team for trademark infringement. The bar's owners are asking the team to cease using the name the Kraken Bar and Grill for their flagship restaurant and are seeking $3.5 million in damages. Hey, that's a little, that's a lot. Do we have any thoughts on the actions of the bar? Well, okay, I kind of get being like, okay, first off, brilliant move, because no, any press is good press. A bunch of people are going to hear about it, they're going to look you up, and maybe they go there. Where are they located? Uh, Right near UW, on University Way. Interesting. Oh, you know what? I think I'm familiar. The Kraken Bar and Lounge. I've never been there, but like, I'm familiar. Um... So like yeah okay maybe that's cool I I don't think they need to sue for three point five <laughs> like oh god really you're really shooting for the stars there why would you go so high they said let's just throw a number out there I get it though because it's like okay you've built a brand and like obviously you were probably pretty psyched when the Kraken got announced because you're like well maybe they'll go to our bar. Um, and then to hear that they're just kind of ripping off your name, I guess that's not totally cool. 
I mean, for the Kraken, it's just changing a name of your restaurant. Being like, maybe it's the Kraken Ice Land. Sounds like the Kraken theme park. Kraken, Kraken Burgers and Fries. I don't know, and I don't frankly care, but like, it's interesting. I feel bad for them. That sucks that, that it, it's really similar, but... I think it's word for word. What are you, you going to do? Oh, well... It's close. The UW one is, yeah, the Kraken Bar and Lounge. And then the Bar. one uh, for the training center is going to be Kraken Bar and Grill. I don't, I don't, I don't think you're going to get that money. I really don't. I don't think you're going to get that money. I don't think you're going to get anything except for the press. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, the expansion draft is still on July twenty first, so don't really have too much fear there. I know that they're continuing uh, work at the training facility there as well as at uh, Climate Pledge Arena. So that's still coming along. Uh, Oil Rain. Still in the Challenge Cup in their second game here, April 21st at the Portland Thorns. They would lose two to nothing. Um, play of the game was Megan Rapino with two shots, one shot on goal, and two corner kicks. Um, team hasn't been able to convert lately uh, in these two last games, but they've still got some big pieces in Megan Rapino and Jess Fishlock. Uh, still kind of getting their feet back under them uh, for the rain here in the preseason, really. Uh, and Lauren Barnes at midfield has not played yet. So I, I think this team's got a lot of talent. They're just you know, they're trying to put it all together and make sure it all gels together. Because as we've seen throughout different sports, you can have this great team compiled of different people, but it will not work if they can't play together. It just won't. Um, so that'll be something to watch. Uh, their next game is April 27th versus Chicago Red Stars. Now, this is interesting, all right, because um, I applied for media credentials for the rain for the Challenge Well, it's a Challenge Cup and regular season. I got an email today uh, with information about my media credentials. So I have media credentials for this game. Um, the only thing is I have work. Um, so I don't know. I might have to see if I can leave early and go to that. So that'd be pretty cool. Um, what did you, how did you get those? I just you... applied. I just said my name, certainly Sales Sports Podcast. And they, they, they know about me because I've inquired about interviews with the players. So they, they know uh, what we're doing. And I got I'm on the email list, so that's pretty cool. Uh, that's exciting. So I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can make that make that trip. Let's get uh, some media credentials for the Hawks. I got to see how that is because with the rain website, it's a lot easier. There's like a media section. I don't know how that works with those. Well, guys. I'm thinking the Seahawks are a little more of a closed off group. Yeah, if can you we get to like Evan Hill, Corbin Smith, and a couple of those other big names uh, out on the field? I doubt Joe that. Fan. Joe Fan lowly few could get on there we'll see maybe if we ask nicely um Please, mr mr Cowell. john schneider uh, john schneider please i got a draft pick do you want a draft pick um no seattle sonics news sad face no seattle dragons news sad face um oh speaking of sad faces uh uw football star patch rusher zion tupuola fatui will be out six to ten months with a torn Achilles. Uh, he led the Pac-12 in sacks last season. Um, there was a string of spring games, spring practices, where he was not seen, and that is the reason why he tore his Achilles. So, you know, that sucks, but um, they they could potentially see him at the end of the year, but, you know, it always sucks with injuries. Um, so just hope, hope he's got a good, fast recovery and that things mm-hmm. all turn out well. 
uh, in that recovery. Uh, college overtime rules. The There's a rule change with overtime. Okay, Teams will be required to attempt the two-point conversion after touchdowns in the second overtime period of games rather than the third. I don't know how much of a difference this will make, but it is something interesting to note about college overtimes. I do kind of like college overtimes better. I think they're kind of cool. Um, but it, interesting for them to change that rule. And then this is a big point. The CFP committee considered expansion. After two days of meetings, the CFP explored future options, including models of six to 16 teams with nothing likely until 2025, which sucks because I think that the college football playoff would be better with an expansion. And I think it would make them more money, which you think would be good for them. But, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. You'd, you'd figure that that would drive more revenue, but um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, it was cool that when you well, it was cool when you got you got in there. Obviously, they ran into Alabama, but still cool. Uh, women's basketball head coach Tina Langley announced her assistant coaches. It is Dan Tichenny, Katie Faulkner, and Latara King. Uh, in baseball, April twentieth at Gonzaga, they would lose three to zero to three. Uh, April twenty third versus New Mexico in a three game series versus New Mexico. Uh, which was initially uh, supposed to be a three-game series at Stanford, but Stanford had to back out due to COVID issues within their program. Uh, April 23rd versus New Mexico, they would win 4-3 to three in 10 innings. Player of the game would be second baseman Braden Ward with three hits and three runs. April 24th versus New Mexico, they would lose in 12 innings, 5-3. to three. Sad face. And April 25th versus New Mexico, they would win 3-2 to two to get the series win. Uh, that is back-to-back wins for the baseball team. No, back-to-back series wins for the baseball team. Uh, player of the game would be first baseman Will Simpson with two hits, two uh, RBIs, and on a walk. The team record is seventeen and eighteen, so they're close to five hundred. They're close. Yeah. They're uh, they're still last in the Pac-12. <laughs> um, their upcoming schedule is April thirtieth, first uh, April thirtieth, May first, and May second versus Cal Cal here at Husky Ballpark. Uh, softball April twenty third at number two ranked UCLA. They would play four games against number two ranked UCLA. In the first game on the 23rd, they would lose 1-6. to six. Uh, Play of the game would be second baseman Bailey Klingler with one hit, one walk. April 24th at UCLA, uh, game one of the doubleheader on that day. They would win 7-4. to four. Play of the game would be a left fielder, Sammy Reynolds, standing at a mighty five foot four, with three hits, one run, and one RBI. April 24th at UCLA, game two of that doubleheader, they would lose 1-6. to six. Uh, Play of the game would be second base Bailey Klingler with two hits, one run, and one RBI. April 25th at UCLA to end the series. They would lose two to four. Uh, Player of the game would be right fielder Sarah Willis with two hits, one run, and two RBIs. It's it's it, they they take away one of the four games there, but the Pac-12 does have some good programs for softball. And and when you're playing the number two team in the nation, you can't complain. Gabby Plain would suffer her first loss of the season, so I believe she's 24 and one, which is still by no no stretch of the imagination a bad thing. Um. In team-related news, left fielder Sammy Reynolds was named Pac-12 Player of the Week last week for her performance against Oregon. Uh, last week, Reynolds hit uh, .556, .633. <laughs> her slash was .556, .636, 1.556, hitting home runs in all three Pac-12 games against the number four-ranked Ducks. Uh, Reynolds has now homered five times in seven career games against the Ducks. She scored at least one run in all four games of the series. And Reynolds is now the ninth player in Pac-12 and second Husky to reach double-digit home runs on a year, now with a career-best 10 through 40 games. Uh, national ranking is fourth 
team record is 35 and nine, and they still rank second in the Pac-12 behind those UCLA Bruins. Uh, and the upcoming schedule is May 7th, 8th, uh, eighth twice for a doubleheader and ninth versus Utah here at home at the softball park. Uh, soccer, the men's, I've got a recap for you of the regular season. Uh, MVP of the season would be Dylan Tevez with seven goals and five assists. Uh, top scorer, Dylan Tevez with seven goals. Playmaker of the year, Charlie Ostrom with 10 assists. Uh, goalkeeper of the year, Sam Fowler with 12 games played, 28 saves, and an eight and three record. Uh, the team finished out the regular season with a 10-3 and three record, uh, national ranking of four, and a Pac-12 rank of two. The NCAA tournament is their next stop in North Carolina. They are ranked seven nationally in that tournament and will play Grand Canyon University on May 2nd at 1 p.m. The women's team, in their regular season recap, MVP would be Summer Yates with four goals and four assists. Three of those goals would be game winners. Uh, the top scorers would be a two-way tie between Summer Yates and Amir Hassan with four goals apiece. Playmaker, yes, Playmaker of the Year would be a Summer Yates with four assists. Seeing a trend here with Summer Yates. Goalkeeper of the Year would be Olivia Sakani with 14 games started, 27 saves, and an 8-3-3 and record. The team record overall would be 9-3-3, and ranked 22nd nationally and third in the Pac-12. Their next game and next stop will be NCAA Tournament versus Liberty. Uh, oh my goodness. Hi. Sorry, folks. Sometimes I miss some things on my long sheet here. Um, I don't think they play today. I think they might play. Oh, well, it's midnight here. So they might play on the 27th. Um, or they might play on the 28th. I had to find out if it's official just to be safe. Um, Yes, they will play on the 27th versus Liberty. So that will take place probably by the time that this is out. Uh, And then volleyball, April 22nd in their final four game versus Kentucky to play into the national championship game. They will lose to Kentucky 2-1. to Kentucky would go on to win the national championship. So, I mean, no fault necessarily in winning to the eventual national champions, but still a great year for the, the Lady Huskies in the volleyball realm. Uh, in the season recap for the team, the points leader for the uh, the year would be Sam Samantha Drexel with 409 points. Kill leader would also be Drexel with 334. Uh, set assists, LMA Powell with 972. And then in team awards, Leslie Gabriel would win National Assistant Coach of the Year. LMA Powell and Samantha Drexel would both be named the first team All-Americans uh, list for the American Volleyball Coach Association. And Claire Hoffman was voted the second team. They would end the season ranked number four and uh, the season ranked number one in the Pac-12 and with a 20-4 and four record. They don't have anything coming up because that's the end of their season, but still a great great season for the volleyball team there. Really cool to see those comebacks uh, throughout the year, um, throughout those last two games um, against both Dayton and Pittsburgh. Uh, so a great run for them. And that is the end of the episode. Um, trying to think. Oh God. Again, I will not complain about having a long slate of things to go through. Just sometimes I may forget things. Um, We've got for the CX, we've got the draft coming up for the Mariners. We've got a full week of games for the Sounders. They play the galaxy on the second Uh, for the storm. We continue throughout preseason and training camp here Um, for the rain. They've got the challenge cup tomorrow. Um, uh, No Sonics games. 
Baseball teams got games. Softball teams got games. And then obviously the both soccer teams have games there. So a lot of things to go through. Um, again, Omari is still on a hiatus for us. He's got some things going on. We're all busy here, you know. Um, but uh, Bennett, do you have anything to leave us with um, outside of our, our lovely uh, Untitled Comic Podcast, which released its second episode going over the finale of the Captain America and Winter Soldier show on Disney Plus? Um, no, I mean, check that out. Uh, check out I've Got a Bad Feeling About This. We'll be picking up uh, probably with a couple more episodes now uh, come seven days. Uh, there's a uh, new Star Wars series launching, so if you're into that, you're into that. Go check that out. Oh, yes. Bennett's favorite new series, The Bad Batch, is coming. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to sell the, uh, I think, um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Be sure to, be sure to check out, um, check out our Instagram page. Yeah, check out CSS Instagram page if you're not following it. Follow it. What's the handle? I think it's just Circling Seattle Sports Podcast all together. Nothing special, just all together. Check that Um, out. Give that page a follow, especially if we do some live draft day coverage. Um, Chuck can do it. Chuck is comfortable. Give me the username, password. Maybe I'll hop on there and do some fun times. Uh, but yeah, just check out that type of stuff and keep supporting the keep supporting the podcast little podcast network we're putting together. On kind of accident, so <laughs> check out check out our stuff. Bennett is giving the thumbs up. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 all fun. I mean there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, there's no shortage of content right now, which is a good yeah. thing. Um, so with that, I will leave you all with a good rest of your day. Uh, Bennett, make a elephant noise. Baba Bowie.